All right, this morning we have opportunity to, am I on? I hope I'm on. This morning. Let me see your packet. Okay. He's checking out my packet. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. We, I thought we had it good. Hey, while you're waiting. He's on. Okay. While you're waiting this morning. Okay. That better? Okay. Well, we'll just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. I, I uh, trust your, there you go. Okay. Thank you, Johnny. Okay. Let's hear it for technology. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't need all this stuff, did he? We can just kind of, uh, but thankfully we have sound and now we can hear each other. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Timothy this morning. 2 Timothy, we'll spend most of our time in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2, and 3. And uh, that's where we are, get our, our challenge from. You know, as a church, we've been going through this series, Rooted, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. And, you know, we've been visiting our, our, our vision statement, love God, connect with others, and reach the world. And, and this morning, we'll be talking about that connect part in that area of discipleship. And uh, I'd like to start out with a, a, a psalm that, that uh, Moses gave us years ago, Psalm 90. And the, the one verse in, in uh, the psalm that I'd like to focus on is Psalm 90, verse 12, where it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And Moses is challenging us in this prayer to just be, be wise in using our time wisely for the Lord, to number our days, to, to, to have a, a heart of wisdom. And, you know, uh, many of us are probably in a season that, that we start thinking, okay, really, what matters with what we're doing with our life? What really uh, is important uh, for us to do? And that this morning, hopefully this message will challenge us in a way of how we can just uh, pass on a, a faithful walk to those who are walking with us and those who will come behind us. And uh, what will we pass on before we pass on? So as we introduce this, throughout Scripture, we're giving a mandate. And that mandate is that we're to go and make disciples. And as, a, as followers of Jesus this morning, our, our hope should be that we're passing on a, a lasting impact. And when we think of discipleship, it involves life on life, sharing time, passing on truth, doing life together with the goal of growing fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's the goal, to, 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 to pass on a, a life of faithfulness. And, and we do that in different ways. You know, we heard the story of the shoebox this morning, how, how God's used that. And, and, and boy, being available is so important for all of us. And, and what I'd like us to do is look at some challenges that Paul gives to Timothy, to the church of Ephesus, and I believe is being passed on to us and how we can invest well, and there's, there's three challenges I'd like us to look at this morning. And as we think of this, as we engage in discipleship, we invest well, we create a lasting impact when we make these commitments. So there's three commitments, and the first one's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. So I'd like to read that to us this morning. It says this, 2 Timothy 1, 2, 2, 2 through 9. And, and understand the context of this. Paul is writing this book, 2 Timothy, to Timothy. 
And, and Paul's a missionary who started this church in Ephesus, and Timothy is now the pastor, and he's challenging Timothy, and he's challenging the church, and I believe he's challenging us to, to be involved in ministry in this way. And he says, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And notice what he says in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it is in you also, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands stay with me just three more verses for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind therefore don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner but share with me in the sufferings of gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So a long passage there, but as we think of this, we, we see Paul is challenging Timothy, hey, be committed to be a faithful man. Be committed to faithfulness. And, and, and we, we, we break this down and we see what that involves. And when we pass on a faithful walk to those God has put in our circle, we pass on a faithfulness that involves being courageous. It involves being courageous. Now, this I'm sure had a hit home with Timothy. He was a, uh, a pastor. He was a young pastor, and, and he is uh, a timid man from what we know about him in Scripture, probably shy, didn't have the, the maybe confidence uh, that, that, that he needed. And Paul's saying, hey, Hey, Tim, hey, Timothy, be courageous. And, and he's saying, God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, and again, as, as I think of this, what a passage for all of us, because he hasn't put us here to be fearful. He is, has put us here to, to deal with our fear, because it probably is a constant struggle for, for many of us, fear of, of, of what may happen in the future, fear of, of, of people, fear of, 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 uh, of what could happen to, to our kids maybe or our grandkids if you're in that circle. But we have those fears. And I tell you, sometimes I think what I fear is things that never happen anyway, things that I dwell on. And, and that's not a good thing. And what he's saying is, Timothy, be courageous. Be faithful. In fact, replace your fear with power. And that spirit of fear has not come from God. It has not come from him. I love this passage in 2 Timothy. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture here this morning. But in 2 Timothy, it says this. God's divine power, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And when I think about that, he's given us the power to, to overcome our fears. And, and what's great about life, we have this tool of prayer. 
And, and prayer is a great tool that God's given us to help us overcome fear and to know people pray for you and, and, and pray you along and, and pray you through is a good thing. And Paul offers a cool prayer to the church in Ephesus. And it's kind of interesting. Remember, we said Paul was the pastor of this church. And, and, and he offers this prayer, and it's a, it's a prayer that we can take to, to heart, too. It says that he would grant you, and again, a great thing to pray for your spouse, for your family, for your kids, for your friends, that he grant you, according to his riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And then look at verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being, get this word, rooted and grounded in love. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be able, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he ends with this. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God's able he is able to deliver us. And we have this, this opportunity as we, as we think of these things that we're fearful of to, to, to use this great resource we have to pray and to ask him to, to make us faithful to him. So, so we're to be faithful as we pass on this idea of being courageous people. God wants us to be courageous. And not only that, we're not only to pass on faithfulness, but we're to pass on love. And again, it goes back to that word, that, that verse, 1-7. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So, we, so passing on faithfulness involves love. We need to replace our fear with love in order for us to have the courage to be faithful. Now, in 1 Timothy uh, we see this in verses 3 through 6. I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. And what he's saying, what do you get from Timothy? Well, maybe he's thinking about just leaving the church. You know, he's in that season where things maybe aren't going right. And he says, hey, stay there. Remain faithful. Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And he's saying, hey, be faithful to the right teachings nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. And then he says, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. So again, he's, he, he's talking about this idea, replace your, your fear now with love. With love. And, and I'll tell you, Love is such a, 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 an important part of doing life. And, and, and Paul's telling this young pastor, Timothy, you know, be courageous to this church, but you demonstrate love to this church as well. Love is, is a truth for all of us to apply to our lives. And, and, and love should always be at the center of why we do life why we do this idea of even discipleship. In 1 John, we read, Beloved, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and he does not love, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then I love verse 18 because it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
Hey, and as I break that verse apart and I think, okay, if I love correctly, if I love in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, it'll cast out fear. As, as I love my, chi- my kids, my grandkids, the, the people in our connect groups, you know, perfect love casts out fear. A love that pleases God, a love that seeks to help others, a love that drives out fear. So as we pass on a commitment to faithfulness, it requires courage that replaces fear with power. It replaces fear with love. And then this last thought here, it replaces our fear with self-discipline. And that's that idea of a sound mind in verse 7. And that's self-discipline. A disciplined, self-controlled mind. What we think about. And again, it's so important that our thoughts line up with what the truths of Scripture are. You know, we, we get bombarded by so many things in life. Things that, that we allow, if we're not careful, to control our minds, to control our actions even. And, and it's important that we, we, we don't let ourselves become so focused on things that don't have any impact for eternity that we are not thinking right, that we're not thinking biblically. And uh, again, scriptures help us, I believe. So I'm going to give you a couple more here. The first point's heavy with a lot of scriptures, so stay with me. I, I always figure, hey, it's better you hear from the scriptures than from what I have to say. But in 2 Corinthians, it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down, look what it says, strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, as I think of this, discipline your mind. Take captive every thought. And boy, the Word of God is so helpful when it comes to this. I, I think of the, the first Bible verse I ever remember memorizing was in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think of, of how that verse became real in my life because, it, it, because Jesus justified me, because he made me right with him when I trusted in him, he gives me the peace I need, the peace to, to, to go forward and to, to have a sound mind, to, to have a love that's perfect love that casts out fear. You know, Paul gives us so much in, in the Scriptures, but in Philippians 4, verse 8, he gives us a great verse that, that, that helps us bring all this thought home. It says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, think, or whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are just. He gives us a great list here. And, you know, the older I believe we get sometimes, we realize how important it is that, that we finish well, that we're, that we're faithful to the end. And we get sometimes those bumps in the road that, that get in the way and cause us to not pay attention to what really matters. You know, I know this is the older crowd in our church, but I remind us to, to stay faithful to keep finishing well, to stay faithful to what you're called to. You know, God doesn't let you be retired. 
You're sure, you might be retired uh, from your workplace, but you're not allowed to retire from your ministry. And, and God wants us to stay faithful. And, you know, I think sometimes we'll do, well, let someone else do it. You know, I, I put in my time, and, and, you know, it's important that uh, you don't just chunk it as you get older. I, I appreciate our, our older crowd because uh, often you're still doing ministry for the Lord, and, and God blesses that. And he, and he wants you to pass that on uh, as you, before you pass on. How's that? Pass that on before you pass on. That's for those of us older than 60. All right? So there's one more thought to all this. Again, we're looking at this idea of discipleship and how we're to be committed to being faithful. And that is, the last thought to this is, passing on faithfulness involves sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says, don't be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony of the Lord and the sufferings that you're going through, but pass on the gospel. That's the power of God. And, and that's what gives us hope. That's what gives us strength. Don't be ashamed. Don't have a fear of sharing what God has told you to share, and that is God's gospel. And in Matthew 28, this verse we, we refer to often when we think of this idea of disciples, the, uh, the, one of the last things Jesus said was, go and make disciples. This isn't a suggestion. It's not something we should, well, you know, that wasn't meant for me. It was meant for, it was meant for us. And you disciple all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, you know, as we think of that, I, I think of that idea of nations. Go and, and make disciples to all nations. You know, the idea of that is the word ethnos. And, 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 and what do we see in the word ethnos? Ethnic. And, and what, what, what Jesus is telling us, go to all ethnicities. Go to all types of people all throughout the, the world. And, and that's who we're called to. We're called to pass on the gospel and share the gospel to those who come behind us and come beside us. You know, I think of, uh, of Andrew. Andrew was uh, the brother of, of Peter, remember? And... Uh, Andrew got saved. I believe this is in the end of the book of first, uh, end of the book of John, actually, uh, the first chapter. And, and Andrew got saved, and, and you know what he does? He goes and gets his brother, Peter, and he says, "Hey, Peter, we've met the Messiah. Come." And, and it's so cool to think about because you know that's the first thing he did. He wanted people to have what he had. And that's such an important part of sharing the gospel. And, and Peter, you know, was probably the, the disciple we hear more about, the one who uh, gets a lot more in the New Testament. But what, where would he have been if his brother hadn't shared truth with him? So where would you be if that person who God put in your life hadn't shared truth with you? And see, maybe, in fact, there is someone out there for us who we need to share truth with, who are people God's put in our life to bring them the gospel. So be obedient as you're committed to faithfulness. Now, there's, there's two more points here. And the second one's this. Uh, the challenge to be committed to pass on a multiplying ministry. 
And, and this is that whole idea of discipleship that we've been talking about, a commitment to discipleship. So turn over a page. You were, you read in chapter, you're probably in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, okay, Timothy, you're my son. Therefore, my son, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And look what it says here. In the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, reliable people you pass on these truths to. Pass on your faith. You know, I have three adult children, and my oldest, Josh, he always had different tastes than I did. He likes rap. Does anybody like rap? Probably some of you younger people like rap in here. Anybody over 50 like rap? Okay, sir, you like rap. That's good. Hey, it's a, st- it's a style that God has, can use. Uh, but rap, I, I don't know how to rap. Uh, but if you want to know more about rap, talk to some of the younger generation. But there's a group that Josh started to like in college, and it was a group called Lecrae. Lecrae. And that group, they're a group of rappers. They were Christian rappers. And in one of their raps, they said this line. And it makes me uh, think of, of how we're going to hopefully understand this point. It says, I'm out to take the Bible, create disciples who make disciples disciple cycle. And Josh would go around the house, and he'd say that rap, and I'd hear it, and I'd think, okay, so what's... And then we got to talk about that rap. And, and, and we got to think, and hopefully this will make sense. Let me say it again. I'm out to take the Bible... Create disciples who make disciples disciple cycles. And and, and again, this idea of discipleship, George Barner says, is is developing fully devoted followers of Jesus. And, And when we think of this, think back to when you were saved, okay? When God showed his grace, showed his favor on you, and he saved you. And I think of my salvation story. I got saved as a, as a teenager, and I was taught much about the Lord. I, I came to uh, church more. I came to uh, Sunday night church more. I, I got involved in Sunday school more actively, and, and pastors gave me information, Sunday school teachers. I went to a Christian college, professors built into me. I, I always like to hear radio preachers, and they gave me a lot of knowledge and understanding. But you know, it wasn't until really I, I connected and I, I got with a, a certain group of people, people who cared enough to, to challenge me, to teach me, to take me under their wing. And that's when discipleship started to take root in my life. You know, because I was getting lots of information, but without transformation, information really isn't going to benefit you. Biblical information and those truths will lead us to transformation. And that's why we really try to encourage people to be in community, be in connect groups, to to help you be informed so you can be transformed, to be multiplying in your walk with Christ. So so picture this, back to that wrap, a tandem bike, okay? And that tandem bike is the disciple cycle. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Looks like fun. Be out with your wife and go for a ride, and you could sit on the back and let her do all the pedaling, and, and she could drive the thing and, and even ring that little bell, and we could just cruise around. Anyway, I wouldn't let her drive. Um, I remember as kids, this is no, my dad came home with a tandem bike, 
My dad would always come home with stuff. He is a television repairman, and uh, he uh, worked for General Electric, and he spent years doing that. And, and, and I remember he'd come home with a tandem bike. He'd sometimes barter. You know, people couldn't pay for their TV to be, oh, just give me that bike. And he'd throw the bike in. But we, we, we got on this bike that he brought home, and uh, there were about, no lie, six of us that got on a tandem bike. We had people on the handlebars and, and a couple on the back, a couple on the front. And I was riding a bike, and we went down Hyde Hill, H-Y-D-E, in Niles, Ohio. And we went down Hyde Hill on that baby, and we wrecked. And we spilt that thing, and went right into That's not the good example of being on the disciple cycle correctly, <laughs> okay? But, but the, the whole thing was, I don't even know why I'm telling you that. Um, <laughs> The disciple cycle, picture this, the front, is a mature believer. He guides and directs a newer believer, his disciple. He steers them and shows them truth. He gives the word of God and, and, and helps them develop in Christ. There's, there's leading, there's guiding. And again, connect groups can be a great place for this to happen. The disciple on the back, after he grows and learns, now he takes the wheel and starts to lead and be involved in newer believers. And, and that's the idea. Of, that, I think that's what Lecrae had in mind in this rap. I'm out to make disciples, and however the rest of it went, to create disciples, okay? So cycle one, cycle two, you know, and we should always be in that season of, of discipleship. The mature taking on those growing in the faith, and then you just, and, and, and again, you're, you're always growing. That's, that's discipleship. That's passing on what will outlive you. You know, Francis Chan, back about 10 years ago, wrote that book, Crazy Love. And it was a popular book. It's still a good book, a good read. And, and he said this on page 87. Listen to what he said. And he's talking about Matthew chapter 16. He says, if any of you come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And then he says in Luke, any of you who doesn't give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. And then he's, this was his commentary on that. He says, some people claim that we can be Christians without necessarily becoming disciples. And then he says, I wonder then why the last thing Jesus told us was to go in the world, make all nations, teach them to obey this command. And you notice he didn't say, but hey, if it's too much to ask, just be Christians. You know, the people who get to go to heaven without committing to anything. And when there's life change, when there's transformation, you'll want a disciple. You'll want people on your cycle. And, and again, St. Francis is telling us, hey, if you're, if you're not discipling, are you in the faith? We get blinded, I think, some way. Oh, I walked an aisle, I said a prayer, I was baptized. You know, there's much more to that. You know, Jesus, in our connect groups, We've been hopefully going over what we talked about Wednesday with our leaders in our connect groups about what, how Jesus disciple. But notice there's some conditions he said as well. Jesus talks about self-denial. When there's discipleship, it's not about you. you. You give up self. You leave all. And there's some references to go along with this. You're steadfast. In other words, that idea of steadfast, you keep working toward reaching people for Christ. There's a, a fruitfulness in your life. There's love. 
And you know, parents, grandparents, you know, we've been given these in our lives to, to, to build into. And, and really, that really should be the greatest discipleship center for all of us, our homes, our families. You know, Third John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And uh, that, that, that's a great testimony for all of us to strive for, to, to have kids and grandkids and maybe great-grandkids in this crowd of, of people we're building into who are walking in truth. That's what really matters. You know, we want a lot for our kids, I know. We want them to have good jobs. We want them to be good citizens. We, you know, if your kids and grandkids, you want them to be athletic, probably. But, you know, what you should really want for them more than anything is that they're walking and following Jesus and they're living for Jesus. That's what you want. So, so who's on your cycle and who are you willing to disciple? There's one more, and it's a quick point, I promise. There's a commitment and confidence in God's word. There's a commitment and confidence in God's word. And this we see in, in, in 2 Timothy 3. And, and, and we've read this passage at different times, but I want to read it again. It says, but, but you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then verse 16 and 17 says, all scripture... It's given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And see, the Bible, God's word, is our tool to get it right. I love what, what Timothy says here, to, to, or Paul says to Timothy. He says, from a child, you learn the Holy Scriptures. And he had to think of his mom. He had to think of his grandma, Lois and Eunice. And boy, how many of us have moms and grandmas who were out there, who led the way, who discipled us, who, who, who gave us the right picture? And they gave us the scriptures. And the scriptures is the key for us to be wise for salvation. So know the scriptures, learn the scriptures, pass on the scriptures, and better than any of it, live them out. Live them out by how you walk in truth. So our application is this. Paul challenges Timothy, and he challenges us to be faithful, to be disciple makers, and to be confident in the truths of his word. Let me give you one more verse in Acts, and we were at the Jubilee Conference with the seniors uh, last week, and one of the speakers, Tony Evans, he, he shared this verse and did a great job on expounding on this verse in, in Acts 13. It's just tucked away in the book of Acts. Luke has it stuck in there, and it talks about David, the Old Testament king, and he says, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. And you think about that. David was, was faithful. I know he had some bumps in the road like all of us do. But, but, but the testimony that's said of him, he served his own generation by the will of God. And then the Bible says he fell asleep. So he is faithful to the end. You know, what is it we're passing on? I, I, I have a quick example. John Piper, some of you have heard of him, one of his earlier books, Don't Waste Your Life. He, he talks about a, a situation, 
in, in, in one of the, in, in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, and he, he says how he is reading the Reader's Digest one day, and he came across the story of this middle-aged couple who had been financially successful, and they retired early, and they packed their bags and left for Florida. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with retiring early. There's nothing wrong with, with moving to Florida. Imagine the thrill, they said, to do nothing but relax. But here's the part. Just kick back and collect seashells. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Who collects them? Anyway, uh, so he, he's reading this in Reader's Digest, and he says, he began to wonder whether that should ever be the sum game of a Christian's earthly existence. At the end of my life, John says, I hope I'm mainly preparing to meet the judge of the earth and give an account of my one little vaporous life. And I'm pretty sure God's not going to say, I'd like to see your seashell collection. <laughs> so, what are you passing on before you pass on? Timothy was faithful. Paul building to him. He became a disciple maker. And again, he passed it on. Are we investing well in those who are walking with us and coming behind us. Will you take a minute, take time to examine your close relationships and ask, am I impacting lives so that I can create disciples who again will create disciples? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of, of Paul and Timothy and how he built into this life and how Timothy caught the vision, and passed it on. So, Lord, as we've been reminded this morning again of this go-and-make-discipleship idea, I pray that we would just now reflect and examine and think, who are we impacting in this generation and the generation to follow? Lord, help us be faithful followers. Lord, I, I, I pray for the challenge this morning that it would fall uh, not on deaf ear, but we would seek to uh, make a difference in those people in our circles, in our ethnos, and may we never stop realizing how good you are and be faithful to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.